Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because because now. Now we bring on our buddy Nick Hamilton. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on SiriusXM Slam Radio 145. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on the planet. Hope everybody had a good weekend and a good start to the new week. Lots to talk about on this episode as we get into, first and foremost, the Cleveland Indians who made a a pretty crazy announcement. But if you've been following along, it's not really that crazy. Uh, But according to the, the uh, Cleveland Indians owner, Paul Dolan, who told the AP on Monday that the name is no longer acceptable to our world, end quote. Now, what's interesting about the Cleveland Indians and their whole name change is the fact that the Cleveland Indians pretty much have been doing, have been working towards the name change for quite a long time. Uh, you notice that they got rid of, finally uh, getting rid of, I should say, Chief Wahoo, uh, who was one of the most racist looking uh, emblems that you could see in American sports. And I know there have been several others, but he has definitely been one of them that they've finally gotten rid of and said, you know, we can no longer allow this to represent our franchise in today's society. And then they go ahead and say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and and get rid of the Indians name because we feel it is is offensive um, to those uh, Native people and Native Americans that have been, you know, petitioning it for many, many years. And it is. Um, but he also said, Dolan also said, quote, we'll be the Indians in 2021. And then after that, it's a difficult and complex process to identify a new name and to do all things you do around activating that name. Uh, we're going to work as quick a pace as we can while doing it right, end quote. Now, here's the thing. This doesn't look fixed. It doesn't look forced because if you've been paying attention, as I said, this has been a process that the Cleveland French, the baseball franchise has been, has been willing to do for quite a long time. Unlike the Washington franchise who was forced to change their name because their owner at the time said there basically there's no way in hell we're changing that redskin name or the emblem that it represented, even though there have been several Native Americans that have been protesting and and have been coming out saying that that this is a symbol of racism. But the Washington football franchise didn't care until there was money being involved in it. And I've always told you guys, anytime there's a, a bottom line that's being affected negatively, that is the time you're going to see change at whatever that may be, whether whether that's a positive change or even even more of a negative change. Either way, it's going to be some sort of change because some people do not adhere to the people on the ground and the people in the streets. They adhere to the corporations that they ultimately have to answer to. So when you had the members on his board from FedEx, when you had Nike coming out and saying, we're no longer going to carry your stuff on our website, 
which is a detriment if you're trying to sell sports memorabilia and product because we all know how powerful uh companies like nike adidas puma places like that when they're when they're talking about not housing your material and not housing your gear that's a problem that's a serious problem not just financially but that's a serious problem as far as getting eyeballs to what your your group or what your team represents so that's the only reason why the washington football team is now named the washington football team because of pressure economically this cleveland indians name does not seem like it's pressure economically it just seems like they're starting to come with the times and they're not being forced the only and and let's be honest the the real reason why they're changing the name is because there is pressure but it's not pressure in the sense where we we are forcing this team to change their name they've been in this process for for a while now for for at least a, a few years um but ever since George Floyd, ever since Amon Aubrey, ever since Breonna Taylor, and so many people have been murdered uh, and killed, and, and there's been name changes because people are now being a little, it seems like they're being a little bit more aware of what's going on in the world around them. When you have the, the protests against social injustice and police brutality and people taking a stand and teams allegedly taking stands against systemic racism and oppression. Um then you're going to have things like this where people start coming to grips and saying, you know what? It's time for a change. Now, the one now people, I don't really think people really care about changing the quote name. Um, but it's about what it really is about is when you're having these, these teams change names, like you had St. John's University uh, become the Red Storm from the Red Men at one time years and years ago um, because that name was racist. Um when you have the Washington football franchise, and even if you had the Kansas City Chiefs decide to change their name or the Atlanta Braves decide to change their name at some point, the thing about it is they don't want to be told what to do. And I mean by they is white folks don't want to be told what to do, especially wealthy ones. They want to do things when they feel like doing them or they don't want to be told anything at all. And that was the problem with the Washington football franchise in their ownership with their owner rather daniel snyder he was not going to be told what to do and how to do and how to run his team but economics did that so when i look at this name change and i look at all the years and years that it took you guys 105 years to figure it out well you know what there's been a lot of ownership change hands in the last 105 years so i guess you know paul dolan decided you know what enough was enough he had enough discussions and meetings with the groups, including the Native American groups uh, who had urged him to stop using that, that moniker and stop using the name because it was it was a racist name. And it is. It absolutely is. And what's funny is I remember years ago, uh, Bomani Jones from ESPN, uh, who had wore a shirt that had the like the Indians uh, font on it. And instead of saying it said Indians, it said Caucasians with the Caucasian dude up front looking like Richie Rich. And people just went ballistic. They lost their damn minds. It was like, oh, my God, how can ESPN allow him to wear such a shirt? Doesn't that scream, you know, bias and racism? And da, da, da. All of these things that went down as a result of it. But what's funny is that some some of the, a good portion of those same people that had an issue 
with Bomani Jones wearing that shirt that said Caucasians did not even scratch the surface when it came to the same people from the Native American community, people from the, the black community, people from even some people from the white community that felt like this name was wrong and racist too. And every other community that felt like it was this, these names were wrong and racist. They never uttered a word to join the fight to try to end these, these racist names with these sports teams. Most of them did not, but they had an issue with a t-shirt. So you don't think the Native American community had an issue with their, with, with a, a symbol like Chief Wahoo that had them looking just ridiculous and looking really just evil and it looked racist as hell? And you don't think the Native American community, because I had conversations about this numerous times from with people outside of the Native American community Oh, well, there were two Native Americans that went along with it. Two out of what? How many Native Americans that are in the United States? Are you serious? That's got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And that's your argument. If I don't care if it's offense, if it's not offensive to 100, if it's offensive to 50, it's offensive and it needs to be changed. So I applaud Paul Dolan. I hope he continues the movement to changing this name and changing it rather quickly. I understand he says it's going to be 2021. They're going to be known as the Indians, but that's going to be the last year, uh, according to him, that, that they're going to be using that name. So hopefully by 2022, they'll have a brand new name in tow. Hell, I call them the Cleveland Rockers. And just call it a day. Why not? It's the, it's the home of the, uh, of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Why not? Makes more sense to me. But, you know, hey, what do I know? I'm just a I'm just a media member or as Kyrie Irving likes to call us. I'm just a pawn. And speaking of your man, Kyrie Irving, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Kyrie Irving is a piece of work. If I've never seen a piece of work in my life. Kyrie Irving is the kind of dude that will sit there. And <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me let me let me dial back a little bit. Kyrie Irving came out over the weekend uh, and said that basically he quoted Malcolm X. He basically doesn't want to talk to the media members and says, "My, I don't have time for pawns. My, my life means more. Hopefully, he made on. He went on to say, basically, hopefully, um, you know, the monies that we get within the NBA and fines and stuff that they go to dis- disenfranchised communities." And he had no had no no reason to talk to the media. Okay, that's fine. You don't want to talk to the media? That's fine. That's your choice. But also your choice, and it's something that you agreed to as part of this CBA, is that you have to talk to the media. You know why you have to talk to the media, Kyrie? It's not for it's not just about you. There's 449 other players out there. There's a whole league that is continuing to, to attempt to go not only just keep a national afloat, but going global. And the main way for them to go global is the using the power of the media, which is something that Adam Silver is very strong on as far as utilizing the media, making sure the brand gets thrusted forward, making sure that the game gets thrusted forward. And there's no other better way to do that than through the power of the media. So it's not just about you, you Neanderthal. You narcissist, it's not just about you. 
And what I didn't like is the fact I didn't have a problem with him calling the media pawns because I know my value. I know who the hell I am. So I really don't give a damn what he had to say about the media, what he felt like, who, the, how he saw the media, because I don't really care. If you listen to our extensive interview on the Believe in Lakers podcast that I have on the Believe uh, podcast network, uh, we had it. We it should be up right about now um that you're listening to this fine program but go ahead and download and subscribe and take a take a listen myself and my uh my partner michael duarte from nbcla uh actually spoke with an nba insider and reporter from uh heavy.com is brandon robinson better known as scoop b uh who's had a relationship with Kyrie Irving and gave us some insight on what Kyrie really thinks about the media and how he wants to approach his career and how he's able to to say certain things it feels like this, this it should be no repercussion. So make sure you guys check that out. But one thing I I got from that interview was the fact that Kyrie really believes what he says. Now, I don't take anything away from Kyrie Irving being an incredibly gifted basketball player. I think he has a very high basketball IQ, but I think he's he's about as deep as shallow. Because Kyrie Irving is a dude that causes his own problems and never wants to take responsibility for his own problems which is why he's in the predicament that he's in. No one forced you to say that the earth was flat just to get clicks and just to get eyeballs focused back on you. No one said you had to talk about, oh, I, I finally played with the most clutch player that, that a player that could knock down shots with Kevin Durant. I've never had the opportunity to play with such a clutch player. We all know you were taking shots at LeBron. And then you want to have the audacity to insult our intelligence and come back and say, Oh, well, if, I'm a, if I want to say LeBron's name, I would have said his name. No, you wouldn't have, you coward, because you already know what the repercussions of that would have been, not just throughout the media, but throughout the ripples of the NBA. So no, you weren't going to say his name. Because you don't have the heart to say his name. And even LeBron came back and said, man, you know what, that hurt me, because I thought even though we never aligned, we still got, to, got along enough to win a championship. And all I want to do is make sure that he flourishes and develops his career and get him to an MVP status. And I tend to believe LeBron on that. Then Kyrie had to come back and fire back. Said, I'm not talking to the media because every time I talk, I'll twist stuff up. No, Kyrie, you're just not clear and concise. That is the problem. And unless you're going to be as clear and concise as you think you are in your head. It's going to always have a problem with that. You're going to always have problems with that. Always, always, always. Just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean it's going to translate into the real world. And Kyrie sometimes, not he's not even in left field. He's in way in the parking lot of the stadium when it comes to his thought process. Then he had to quote Malcolm X, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and then he went on to say, well, I hope the money goes to the disenfranchised communities. You know good and hell well where the money goes. You are one of the vice presidents of the MBPA. You know exactly where the money goes. You just, once again, saying more stupid stuff to bring attention on you. Congratulations. But yet, it's, it's the media's fault on why we, we come up with these, with these type of conclusions and these types of philosophies that we come up with. We, we come up with these all by ourselves. And I'm not saying the media is completely innocent because there are people that try to do uh, stuff with clickbait and try to come up with catchy stuff just to get eyeballs on their material. I get all of that. But Kyrie, you're getting paid millions and millions of dollars. All you have to do is take the questions that you want to take and move on. So the NBA fined him 
$25,000 for not talking to the media. So apparently something must have clicked inside of that, that brain of his because on Monday he finally spoke to the members of the media. Which I said, you know what? A $25,000 lesson it took for you to realize that you're not going to win that fight? Checkmate. Good luck with that one. Because guess what? It's not going to last too long for you. And I knew, I knew, and I told my colleagues, I told friends of mine, I'm like, Kyrie's going to talk to the media at some point because he doesn't want to get hit with that $25,000 fine he's going to get hit with. That's a lot of paper. I don't care if you are a multi-millionaire. That's a lot of paper. And you don't want to go to war with the New York media. If you learn anything else, Kyrie, you claim you grew up in Jersey. You know how rough the New York media is. You really want to go to war with New York media and then go to war with the national media? But I got a question for Kyrie Irving. Since you since you claim to be all about with the fist up, how many black-owned media outlets have you allowed to do a one-on-one interview with you and really get to know you since you say you're so misunderstood? How many, Kyrie Irving? Because as a black media member myself, how many, how many, how many, how many members ha- that look like you and I have you allowed to do a one-on-one interview to help elevate their platform? Since you say you don't trust the mainstream media. And I understand it. But I'll wait. Let me know how that works out for you. Because at the end of the day, you need us, as far as members of the media, but necessarily we may not always need you. Because there's another top-notch baller that plays for the Brooklyn Nets that loves talking to the media for the most part. And his name is Kevin Durant. And if we have a choice between Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, guess who we're going to choose nine and a half times out of ten? Kevin Durant. Think about that. Coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to talk a little bit about the Los Angeles Clippers, the Los Angeles Lakers, and what's going on around the NFL and more. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Sirius XM, yeah. All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Again, make sure you follow me in, uh, on all streaming platforms, excuse me, on all social media platforms, I should say, pardon me, at Nick Hamilton LA. Uh, listen, there's been a lot going on. I know we got the NFL is near the end. MVP race is heating up. A lot of people think Pat Mahomes is the MVP. Some people think Aaron Rodgers quietly has been the MVP. And I think that's a a definite argument uh, that could be made as far as Pat Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. Uh, But I tell you what, there's one team in particular that's definitely put the the league on notice, and they are the Buffalo Bills. Now, I know the Buffalo Bills have had a history of being up and down, sideways to sideways sometimes. But this year's team, led by Josh Allen, you got Stefan Diggs, who is more than a one-dimensional wide receiver. You have an outstanding defense that they've been able to, to gather 
uh, around when it comes to, you know, putting that team together on all three phases. And I think that they've done a phenomenal job with the Buffalo Bills organization. They came out on Sunday and, and proved to the, the nation that they are for real, that this is a team that's going to be a serious contender in the playoffs. Um, this is a team that uh, that's definitely, we already know is going to win the AFC East, something that hasn't happened in years because we know the dominance of the New England Patriots with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for all those years. Uh, but there's a, there's a new, you know, there's a new, new sheriff in town, as they say. And that is the Buffalo Bills. And let me tell you something. I said before, even though I, I like the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and I think they are a good team, I don't think they're they're consistently sound week in and week out. I think that they were a, a, a sketchy, a, a undefeated team before they lost uh, to, I believe it was Washington that they lost to. Um, I thought they were a sketchy team. Because I looked at the I looked at the schedule, and yes, you have to play who's on your schedule, but look at the quality of and the level of talent that they had to play to get to that eleven and zero record before they started to, uh, to lose those games. And now they've lost two in a row. So when I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm not confident, and and that's not to say that I'm more confident of, of the Kansas City Chiefs than I am the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because when I look at the Chiefs, they have been impressive in the last few weeks. Either they've won games and they've gutted them out. And they score. I remember. I think on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins, they had they scored twenty one unanswered points. Um, after Mahomes, who only threw two picks the entire season, threw two picks in the first quarter alone. So again, I don't know what we're going to expect from the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know what to expect from the Pittsburgh Steelers. But if I was a betting man. I would probably put my money on the Kansas City Chiefs just because of what I've been able to see and how they've been able to dial it up and really lock in and do what they need to do to get the W's. And especially with the playoffs when it's only one and done, uh, I'm definitely going to have more money and more confidence on the Kansas City Chiefs than I would the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers can be beaten in in, in the playoffs. I really think they can. Um, I'm not, I, and again, that's no, that's no disrespect to Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin's done a phenomenal job. He's, he's ever since he's been the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's never had a losing record, which is phenomenal for any coach. However, the team to look at, and I said this before on this program weeks and weeks ago, one of the most competitive divisions in the NFL is the NFC West because you have three teams with the Arizona Cardinals, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Los Angeles Rams, and even the San Francisco 49ers who happen to be down right now. But apparently they got the Rams number as they scratch and crawl to try to hold on and still be in the hunt. But to me, I think out of all those teams that I mentioned in the West, the NFC West division, the Los Angeles Rams look the most polished. When you look at that defense, when you look at Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and Jalen Ramsey and those boys that fly around and like to get after the ball and get after the quarterback and know how to really stop the run. And they've gotten better in the last couple of weeks as far as being able to stop the run enough where it doesn't become damaging from their opponents. That is a complete defense. This is a defense that you can look at and say, you know what? This is a team to keep an eye out on. 
The only question mark I have, and it's no, it's not, it's not a knock to Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff is a good quarterback, but we don't know which Jared Goff is going to show up week in and week out. And that's the problem. When you look at Thursday night when they played the Patriots, and the times that Patriots put the pressure and they blitzed Goff, he looked totally discombobulated. The time where the line was able to push and give him time in the pocket to move around and throw the ball, find his target, he looked fine. So if I'm an opposing defense, if I'm the New York Jets or I'm the Seattle Seahawks, I'm watching that film and try to emulate what they did more than they did it, more than the Patriots were able to do so. But I look at that offense, man, you got Cam Akers, who's, who's massively explosive. And if you didn't pay attention to him at Florida State, when that dude had a garbage team at Florida State and look what he accomplished, my God, you missed out. But this kid is sensational. I look, I like Malcolm Brown. I like Daryl Henderson. I like the, I like Cooper Cup. I like uh, uh, Robert Woods. I think they're sensational after the catch. I like Gerald Everett. I like Tyler Higby. Um, that O-line, because I didn't know how that O-line was going to look without with the absence of Andrew Whitworth, who went out uh, with a season-ending injury. But note, boom, moved in perfectly. He knew the schemes, um, and, and, it's, it's, and it's you know playing pretty well. So I think the Los Angeles Rams, if you're going to come out the NFC, that's one of the teams to look out for. You still got the New Orleans Saints. No telling when Drew Brees is going to come back if he decides to come back this year uh, or this season, for the regular season, I should say. So I do believe he's coming back. Just don't know when. Because broken with 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 met with cracked ribs and 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 anything dealing with your ribs is is really you don't really know. But Tampa Bay Bucks are holding on for dear life. You got the Seattle Seahawks, who the who the Rams have to face in about another week or so after they play the host to the New York Jets, which should be a win for them. But if the if the Rams are able to beat the Jets and the Seahawks, pretty much a wrap. So be on the lookout. This 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 month of December and the one game in January <laughs> was going to be a, a, a bit telling for a lot of teams, especially in the NFC. Green Bay, you can't forget Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. I think people slept on them. I think people stopped paying attention to them because they, that for for some reason, to some they, they 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 not they were no longer exciting. But you can't count out Aaron Rodgers at all. We've seen what he can do when he's been had a chip on his shoulder before, and he's and he's actually enjoying playing football again, something we haven't seen in the last couple of years, especially with, since the departure of Mike McCarthy, who had him in handcuffs. Oh, and by the way, speaking of Mike McCarthy, according to Stephen Jones who appeared on a Dallas radio station, on the ESPN Dallas radio station, said that Mike McCarthy will be brought back in 2021. So, Cowboy fans, how do you feel about that? Congratulations. More mediocrity in 2021. Well, you still don't know who the hell your quarterback's going to be. An accident waiting to happen. I agree with Stephen A. Smith. The Dallas Cowboys are atrocious. They're not long, they're no longer America's team. They're atrocious. They're an atrocious team. That's what they are. Hot garbage. So as we get ready for the NBA, 
And I know it's preseason, but my God, do the Lakers not look ready without AD and LeBron? I mean, they just refuse to let the Clippers get anything. I mean, the Clippers play with all their players. They're doing two-a-days, according to head coach Ty Lue. They're trying to run new sets, new plays. It just ain't working against the Lakers. And that's not a sh- that's not any shade to the Clippers. I think the Clippers are going to be a really good team this year. But my God, can you imagine what it would have been like if, if LeBron and AD would have been playing along with the rest of the squad? I mean, I look at Montrez. Trez came in with a double-double to open it up, open up pre- the first preseason game against his former team. He came in there with, with serious business. Then the phenom, Taylor Horton Tucker, who had a double-double. My God, that kid is amazing. Props to the scout, the Lakers scouting department for even finding this kid. Because this kid is the truth. He is, he's been on the incline ever since he got the opportunity to be with the Lakers. And he continues to amaze. You still got Darren Schroeder, Mark Gasol, Wesley Matthews. We talked about how great the Lakers did in the, in the offseason as far as acquiring these guys. But my God, to see them play? And according to Frank Vogel, the, uh, I think they have one or two more preseason games remaining before the regular season kicks off. And Anthony Davis and LeBron James are going to be playing in those games. By the way, do you see you see Anthony Davis' new toy? Check my Twitter handle out, at Nick Hamilton LA. It's amazing what a championship and a new contract would do for you. Oh, and by the way, AD revealed that the Grinch, the, the Kobe 6 Grinches, they're going to be dropping on very, very soon. To be exact, it'll be December 24th, in case you forgot. But he got his pair in advance. And damn it, I want a pair. I don't know some of y'all want a pair too. See, I'm a shoe head. And I've been waiting for the Grinches ever since they dropped back in, I believe, 2010. They're finally re-releasing them. Damn it, I'm getting a pair. I don't know how. Maybe my EBT card might work this time. I don't know. Maybe I got to collect some more cans and bottles. I don't give a damn what I got to do. Them shoes will be on my feet come December 24th. But as far as the Clippers are concerned, a lot of work to do. And we, and I wonder who is going to really be the team, the teams that are going to compete with the Lakers in the Western Conference. Because I'm really looking at the Denver Nuggets. I'm going to look at the Clippers. I can't count out the Clippers because the Clippers are still a good team. I love Serge Ibaka being in that starting role. I think that's going to help them tremendously moving forward. And having Lou Williams and Zubak coming off the bench, that should be a very interesting tale, especially for, for teams to defend that. I like that little combo. Denver, I like Denver's hustle. I like their drive. I, we saw what they did in the bubble. But I think even though some people may take may think they've taken a step back, uh, they're still going to be formidable. I like the Phoenix Suns, too. I think the Phoenix Suns, if they stay healthy, with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, they could be a seventh or an eighth seed this year, playoff-wise. And that's going to be fun. Houston Rockets with James Harden, who's going to uh, uh, apparently going to play on uh, tonight against the San Antonio Spurs. Ah, he still wants out. 
According to Adrian Wojnarowski, he wants out. He's not satisfied with getting John Wall and having Boogie Cousins there. So as we all know, he's expanded his his team possibilities. Uh, Philadelphia is one of the team destinations that he he expressed interest in. But Houston reportedly came out and said, "Okay, you want James Harden? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you three first rounders and Ben Simmons. Do you think that Daryl Morey and Elton Brand are a bunch of idiots? Because apparently the Houston Rockets think that they're a bunch of idiots. Because there's no way in hell I can see that going off. You're going to give up three first rounders and Ben Simmons, a young dude in training who's a jumper away from being great for a James Harden who is may have two or three years left in his career. That's a sure way to get fired, especially in Philly. Man, they may torture your car in the parking lot before you even get to it. You make that kind of deal. But I do believe Elton Brand when he says, look, we're still committed to the process. We're still going to keep Joel Embiid. We're still going to keep Ben Simmons. We got a new coach of Doc Rivers. Got Tobias Harris. You got Danny Green, a.k.a. Lionel Richie Jr. Jr. You got, you know, Seth Curry. We're going to stay committed to this process and see what happens. But don't be surprised if the Sixers make some sort of trade near or at the trade deadline. But we'll see what happens. But I think for right now, I think James Harden is stuck like a truck in Houston. He's going to start the season in Houston. Do I think he gets traded before the trade deadline or by the All-Star break? Possibly. I was reading somewhere at uh, betonline.ag where they had the odds uh, that James Harden would be traded uh, before the trade deadline. Interesting. I can see that happening. I don't know where he would go, but I can see it happening. Is there really a market for James Harden? That's what I wonder. Is there really a market for James Harden who has two years left on his current deal with the Houston Rockets? Another question I want to raise to you guys really quickly. Is there a market? I know there was questions about, is there a market for Cam Newton? But after what I saw on Sunday at SoFi when I was at the Chargers and Falcons game, and I saw how horrific Matt Ryan looked and how piss poor he looked, and thank God for Calvin Ridley. Is there a market for Matt Ryan? I know we talk about Cam and how and how abysmal Cam looks, but you gotta let's put it in perspective. Cam doesn't have any playmakers at all. Not name me one playmaker on the New England Patriots right now that Cam that Cam Newton is that's Cam Newton's go-to. Name me one. You know why? Because you can't. Matt Ryan, if he had a healthy Julio Jones, who was out on Sunday, you still got Calvin Ridley. You got a decent running back in Ty Gurley. You got some play, you got a few playmakers on that team. And he still couldn't get it done against the Chargers? And that's no shade to the Chargers because the Chargers are a talented team. But we all know they've lost games. They've lost a lot of close games this, this year. But at least Justin Herbert has a couple of playmakers. Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler. And he's a rookie. 
So everybody wants the question, is there a market for Cam? But is there a market for Matt Ryan? Because I don't see one. I don't see a market for Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan is washed. I think Matt Ryan is washed. I think he needs to hang up the cleats. It's a wrap. If you're going to say Cam should hang him up, then damn sure you should say Matt Ryan should hang him up. Because you're delusional if you don't. Or you just hate Cam Newton that much. Which I can't understand it. You hate Cam that much? Damn, man. Something wrong with you. Something in your life ain't clicking. Yeesh. You think Matt Ryan will be, be somewhere else outside of Atlanta next year? People be banging down his door. You lost your damn mind. No way in hell that's going to happen. But then again, stranger things have happened. All right, y'all. Coming up on the other side of the break, make sure you stay tuned. We're going to get into uh, a famous Los Angeles Ram who donated and saved a business from going into bankruptcy and, and closing down for good. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about AMC theaters. Uh, your movie experience is definitely going to change. All that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Final segment of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. And this part of the program, something we do once a month here, on TMA with Nick Hamilton is when TMA with Nick Hamilton meets the ticker report. If you don't know what I'm talking about, allow me to introduce you to the man at hand. Uh, like I said, this is going to be a monthly thing that we're going to do for right now. He, he is the host of the ticker report. He's also the host of COVID radio. He's also one half of Lakers and Nachos, which is a brand new show you can find exclusively on Facebook Live and IG Live. Please help me welcome a well-known reporter from the Southern California area. And uh, he's got his hands in all kinds of things in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, up under the sink, wherever you can find it. That's where he has it. Jay Ticker, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on, man? Ladies and gentlemen, we got to do this thing the right way, first of all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're clapping. <laughs> but I want to make sure we do this thing the right way. First of all, thank you for that formal introduction. Sincerely appreciate it. You're doing a lot of good stuff for the community as far as working as well. So let's make sure that we put uh, your horn while we're at it. Uh, thanks for having hey, me. Um, looking forward to this this uh, uh, this opportunity. This is this is dope. A new platform. So I'm definitely honored to be a part of this new venture with you, Nick. Yeah. Well, people don't remember that we used to do a show on Saturdays called TMA with Nick Hamilton. That was on another network. Um, and he came on and it was gracious enough to be the co-host and, you know, provide his his insight. So I wanted to bring him on on this journey here. Let you guys get a little little taste of what we used to do on Saturdays before we graduated to the weekday circuit and uh first and foremost man andrew whitworth um as i talked about the rams in the last segment uh, and the loss of andrew whitworth and what that meant to their their offensive line but uh he's still in you know communication i'm sure with the team uh he did something really really huge and it's nothing surprising because the rams as a complete organization and shout out to molly higgins um, who was also on this show uh, several weeks ago, who was the the uh, vice president of community affairs, who's in charge of making sure that, you know, the players and the, and the team gets out in the community in various communities around Southern California uh, to, to provide a helping hand, not just during the holiday season, but all year round. So I want to make sure that 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 gets known as well. 
Uh, but on, on the opposite end, oh, excuse me, on the same token, I should say, uh, Andrew Whitworth, who is the left tackle for the Los Angeles Rams, did a great, incredible gesture. Him, along with his wife, uh, put together a $50,000 donation uh, to a, a local L.A. restaurant, uh, which is in the community of Inglewood. Uh, Black-owned restaurant has been around for many decades. Uh, they're on the verge of closing down for good because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the inability to uh, be able to serve uh, the, the patrons that they would have been previously been able to serve uh, because of the pandemic. So they were on the verge of closing. They had started a GoFundMe. Uh, the news media got a hold of it. And apparently Andrew Whitworth and his wife decided to, to, to spread some holiday cheer um, and, and props to him. So what do you think about that, man? I mean, I thought that was just an incredible gesture. I, I thought it was awesome uh, for Andrew Whitworth to come out of the blue and just be like, hey, I'm going to drop 50K on you right fast. That's completely awesome. Uh, you know, but I'll be honest with you, Nick. I'm not surprised. If we go back, I mean, at least two years ago, we remember when Andrew Whitworth went to, uh, I believe it was Gumpers Elementary in Watts, California, and donated over, I believe, 500 bikes yeah. to all of the yeah. children at the school. And then the following year after, he also contributed to the Home Walk, I want to say that's the name of that event called, when, mm -hmm. when the Rams players came out. They participated not only in the marathon itself, but it was the, to bring awareness to homelessness. And, and, and it turned out fantastic. Coach Head coach Sean McVay also made an appearance, and he was there supportive of his players uh, during the event. It was great to see all those guys out. Uh, you didn't just have, you know, you know how sometimes it happens when they just, you know, maybe put a rookie out there. I mean, you had almost the entire team uh, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the head coach and the team captains of the team come out and participate into that event. So to, for, for Andrew to do this, not just, you know, once, but twice now for the third time, if, if you've been paying, keeping track of his donations and his generous giving, he, he also, again, I'm going to go ahead and add to what Nick said. He gave to the, Serving Spoon, which is a local restaurant in Inglewood, California, which is the same city where the SoFi Stadium currently resides. And uh, fantastic food. You talk about good comfort food. Oh, my God. Uh, don't eat it if you if you want to get up and go do something later on. That is one of those <laughs> things where you literally got to sit there. You eat it. You enjoy it. You don't plan on doing nothing for the rest of the day except relaxing and maxing on the couch, hanging out with your family. It's been around. This serving spoon restaurant, the serving spoon restaurant has been around for 37 years. And so for it to actually be in a position to where you know, they're, they're closing their doors uh, was, was quite interesting considering it's been around for so long. But the initial goal was to raise $75,000 so that they can keep mm -hmm. their doors open. And Andrew Whitworth and his wife came out of their pockets $50,000 to, to uh, you know, make the goal. And, and I assume I'm sure that they're practically already there at this point. So shout out to them. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Honestly, they've made over the mark. Um, I believe they're probably close to about a hundred K right now. Um, oh. You know, congratulations to the owners. I want to give out their names, Angela and JC Johnson, uh, who are the owners of the serving spoon. And, and also to the, the, the employees that work at the serving spoon as well, because they get a chance to keep their job to some degree. Um Amen and be able to have a place where they don't they can call home and they can have a, a paycheck coming in you know when they when they get their paycheck so 
you know, I think it's a ripple effect. People just look at the owners and say, oh, okay, we got to keep the restaurant open. But they, I think people don't really emphasize how important the staff is and, and how imperative they are as far as the organization, as far as keeping it going, you know, the the the, the cooks and, and people like that. So I think all everybody benefits, not just the owners, but everybody in the service boom benefits. So congratulations to them. And again, props to Andrew Whitworth and his wife for doing such a great thing uh, from their hearts and their wallets you know, truly putting their money where their mouth is as he continues to rehab and look forward to seeing, uh, as they're calling Big Wit, back on the field uh, by next training camp uh, and being back in the fold uh, for his 16th season in the NFL. Uh, I want to also talk about, because you know, we talk about this pandemic, man, it's thrown us all for a loop. Uh, And we're seeing a lot of movie studios, you know, streaming, you know, coming out with first run movies now that are streaming. And so AMC recently came out with a report that said, hey, we need about 750 mil tickets in order for us to continue on throughout this pandemic uh, and continue our business. Well, AMC, you may not be as fortunate as the serving spoon because uh, you may not be getting and You may or may not be getting a bailout. My advice to the AMC theaters is, Start a streaming service, which I thought you should have done a long time ago. Even if you come up with a subscription and say, hey, if you pay $49.99, you're going to get at least 10 or 11 first run movies directly to you. Uh, And that way, maybe you and, you know, you throw some perks in there. Say, hey, well, you, you you know, you get free this or you get a discount on on, you know, kind of make it a Costco type of thing where you got a a la carte, a lot of different items. That you could put with that just to entice people for a subscription um but you know again people like hbo max you know warner brothers it just did a, a deal with hbo max streaming first run movies with them for the next i forgot i think for the next six months or a year or something to that degree um we saw the fact of what amazon prime is doing uh netflix is definitely taking over the game when it comes to streaming services and providing first run content once again um hulu just signed a huge deal with the kardashian family to to create content for that network um you know so it's a it's it's a lot of competition out there now i think amc became you know the blockbuster of when it came when it comes to movies they just waited too late to do it totally nick this was a very interesting story i i caught it a few days ago when it first came out Very surprising, but not so surprising if you think about it. I mean, the movie theaters have been closed down for almost a year, if not more than a year already. And now we're looking at the AMC theaters telling everyone in the media that they're about to go and close their doors as well if they don't secure a $100 million investment because bankruptcy is currently looming. Now, if you know who AMC theaters is, what they're known for, obviously one of the hugest movie theater chained in in the country in the u.s at the very least i mean they even sell their tickets at costco which is crazy and and i always go to costco (laughs) to make sure i I get the two for one nick (laughs) so you're talking about three days ago with new news saying that they were able to secure that 100 million dollars in debt financing from from murdoch capital i'm sorry mudrick capital that is mudrick capital but they still need an additional 750 to avoid that bankruptcy. Now, of course, they did did get the loan for the $100 million investment, but they're still standing against giants such as you named Netflix. Also going to be 
combating against a HBO Max, who they actually had a fallout with, with HBO Max because of this particular uh, problem. And I mean, at this point, HBO Max, they, they, they stayed on top of their game. I mean, not only were they good on, on screen when it comes to premiering movies that have already hit the movie screens, but they continue to elevate and, and move their platforms forward. They've got on the go, they've got, you know, the, the, the normal HBO. And then they also host boxing as well. One of, you know, if it's not Showtime, you can catch a Floyd Mayweather fight on HBO. So they continue to elevate. And if you know anything about business, they continue to move forward. They didn't look back and they continue to revamp, you know, and, and stay in tune with what's now and what's for the future. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, they did the right thing when it comes to business acumen and, and AMC, they honestly can't be mad at anyone else but themselves. Yeah, that's why I said I think they 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 were like when Netflix, you know, when Netflix first came out, right? They were doing it. The, you can mail the, the DVDs to the house. You got to send them back if you don't want to get your credit card charged. Um, and they thought, and Blockbuster was like, ah, oh, people will still come in. They'll still rent movies from us. They'll still do this. They'll still rent games. It's like okay, then GameFly pops up. It's like yo, you can rent games from us. With it from the courtesy of your fine established home or Completely and or apartment. <laughs> then Netflix says, you know what? We just gonna start we're gonna start this streaming thing. You can still rent DVDs from us, we're gonna start this streaming thing. And Blockbuster laughed at them, thought they were crazy. Now put Blockbuster completely under the freeway. Sheesh. Where there's only one Blockbuster because it's a landmark. That you can actually go visit somewhere in middle America. There's a blockbuster video store that you can actually go and like visit. And please wow. rewind the tapes before you return them. They still have that sign up there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty Imagine incredible. that. See? It's about ingenuity. No, big time. Big time. And in in, unfortunately, AMC, I need you to get it together. <laughs> if they can. If they can. If, if they can. Speaking of getting it together, uh, you know, NFL, we always say that players need to utilize their platforms. We always want players to do well and try to help people out, as we talked about earlier with Andrew Whitworth. Well, there's another NFL player that decided to continue on his efforts and his work, uh, and that's Baltimore Ravens' uh, Calias Campbell, who linked up with the Rockefeller Foundation to uh, basically launch a uh, Baltimore micro-grant fund which is a campaign that will help black owned businesses in Baltimore that have been impacted by the, the COVID-19 pandemic to be uh, eligible for financial assistance and strategic advising, which I think is very, very key. Everybody just wants to look at the money, but I think if you don't have a plan or someone that can help you plan so you don't get back in that same predicament that you were once in, you're going to be right back there and probably worse. So uh, my hat's off to Kalias Campbell I had a chance to meet him a few years back and talk with him. Really sharp guy, um, really insightful, Very has a, a huge heart for the people. So I'm not really surprised at this move. I'm just glad he was able to connect the dots. And, you know, props to the Rockefeller Foundation as well for being in, involved with this measure. Um, I think it's going to create a lot more opportunities. And like we saw with the Serving Spoon, I'm sure there's a lot more businesses in, in, in Baltimore throughout the DMV uh, that could use that assistance as well. So. Uh, your thoughts on Kalias Campbell? That's 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 one of those things where you you say, you know what? Why don't we have enough representation? Uh, a, a lot of 
especially black people. I want to I want to make sure I point that out. A lot of times we get, we sit back and we look at these these tragedies that happen in a lot of restaurants, local restaurants, grocery stores are closing right now. Uh, small markets rather because they they don't have the assistance that they need. Uh, the pandemic completely wiped out, I would say. Mm. In this, in the community that we currently reside in, LA County, let's just go ahead and say that I'm saying we're about 40% right wiped out as far as small businesses. They're hanging yeah. on by a freaking nail, man, and it's really sad. So I, 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 when I heard about this story, actually, I found out through you, Nick, uh, when you sent me the email. Uh, I was very, very excited to hear that you have a black man who is a millionaire, multi-millionaire, and he's known for playing football stood outside of his comfort zone or what for what people know him for. And he actually took his dollars, hard earned dollars, putting his life on the line every single day to give back to a community that supported him while he was, you know, growing up and going through school. And eventually now he's able to come back and give back. And I believe that's the way we should all do it. Uh, not just black people, but anyone who grow up, grows up in a particular community. Always make sure you give back because that karma is going to come right back to you. Now, he teamed up with the Rockefeller Group, and we already know who the Rockefeller Group, some of the richest people, if not the richest people in the world. And they actually dotate, pledged $75,000 to this uh, to this fund. And, and Calais actually put up $125,000 as well. So uh, I, this the, it's not just the money that is going to be impactful. It's going to be the leadership and guidance that's going to be provided along with this package which I believe all business owners, all business owners, including myself, including you, Nick, uh, it should be extremely fond of and, 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 and value that because if we don't know where to put our money at and we just continue to do the same things that we were doing prior to, God knows what's going to happen, especially if we get a third or fourth wave. Right. I just want to make sure that the, the money goes to black owned businesses and, and, you know, of course, other business, other people of color to have businesses as well. But I, you know, I, I definitely want to I, I trust that it will also go to the black owned businesses because, um, you know, they have suffered quite a bit, um, as we talked about earlier on this segment. And uh, not to say anybody else hasn't suffered. I mean, suffering is suffering no matter what you are, who you are. Um, and I hope everybody gets the help that they desire and that they need, um, no matter who they may be, um, because when you're in need, damn it, you're in need and um, you want somebody to help fulfill that need as quickly as possible. So props to them, uh, props to the Rockefeller Foundation and, and Calias Campbell for what, doing what he's doing. Hey man, you know what? It's been fun. Uh, we got to run, but I know uh, it's been a minute, man. So I want to say before we get off the air, happy holidays to you and your wife and family. Um, and I trust that everything will continue to go well. Congratulations on the new shows. Uh, you know, Lakers and Nachos. I like the title, man. I thought that was a cool title. And, uh, you know, continue success with the ticket report as well as, uh, you know, the uh, COVID radio program. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Nick. Sincerely appreciate it. Have a fantastic holidays. And I'm sure I'll be speaking to you sometime soon, brother. Oh, yeah. You already know that, man, off top, man, before we get on up out of here. But thank you so much, man. And you can follow Jay Ticker at the ticket report on all social media platforms. And uh, make sure you support him, man. He's a real one. And uh, definitely look forward to having you on next month, or should I say next year and next month uh, in 2021. <laughs> Thanks one to no one. I sincerely appreciate it. Good luck, everyone, and Happy New Year's to you as well. Thanks a lot, brother. Talk to you soon. Bye now.
All right, that was the one and only Jay Ticker from the Ticker Report. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of TMA with Nick Hamilton. If you missed any portion of this broadcast, make sure you download and subscribe to us at all the streaming platforms. That's iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud. And uh, make sure if you go to iTunes, give us five stars. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Until next week, you guys be safe. Stay sharp. Take care of yourselves. I'm out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Stam Radio.